This show is not a substitute for professional counseling and no relationship is created between the show hosts or guests and any listener. If you feel you are in need of professional mental health and are a UA student, we encourage you to contact the UA Counseling Center at 348-3863. If you are not a UA student, please contact your respective county's crisis service hotline or their local mental health agency or insurance company. If it is an emergency situation, please call 911 or go to your nearest emergency room. It's 6 o'clock and time again for Brain Matters, the official radio show of the UA Counseling Center. We are broadcasting from the campus of the University of Alabama. Good evening. My name is Dr. B.J. Gunther. I'm the host of the show, along with my colleague and producer, Katherine Howell. And in case you don't know, this show is about mental health and physical health issues that affect college students, and in particular, UA students. So you can listen to us each Tuesday night at 6 p.m. on 90.7, The Capstone, or online at wvuafm.ua.edu, or you can also download the Crimson White app and just click on the 90.7 streaming link. Um, Also tonight, if you have questions for our show or for my guests, email those to brainmattersradio at wbuafm.ua.edu, and hopefully we can answer those on the air. But also, if you have any ideas for upcoming shows, email those to me, because I'd be interested to see um, what ideas you have for topics because we have already scheduled out to the end of this semester but we're definitely going to need some new topics for the spring semester so once again that's brain matters radio at wvuafm.ua.edu and i'll try to remember to give out this email um, address periodically throughout the show i'm so excited about the show topic tonight because anybody who knows me knows that I am fixated and obsessed with Halloween. It's my favorite holiday. I start celebrating it early on in September. I do daily postings of Halloween. This year, it's Halloween film locations you can visit. That's my daily posting for this year. I just love it. And so um, when researching some of the topics for the show, I happened to come across another podcast and was listening to this podcast with my guest, who was a guest of the podcast, and I just decided to try to get in touch with him and see if he could be on the show, because I think this is a fascinating topic. And um, when I mentioned it to some of my colleagues, they really started talking about some incidences that had happened either to somebody they know or that they've had questions about, and I'll explain that a little bit later. But tonight's topic is, are ghosts beneficial to your mental health? Have you ever heard things that go bump in the night, or perhaps you've seen a shadowy figure move across the room when you swear no one else is there. Maybe you've moved into a house and had a strange thing happen from the moment you called it home. According to an article from Psychology Today, belief in the paranormal can have a positive psychological effect by aiding the grieving process, providing a life coping mechanism, and simply giving hope where there was none. And again, to help us talk about this topic and his experience, I guess you'd call it with ghost hunting, is my guest tonight, Dr. Alan Brown. And Dr. Brown is a professor of English at the University of West Alabama, which isn't too far from here. He's the author of many, many books. In fact, I'm reading this book right now, Dr. Brown. Um, I don't know if this is your most recent book. It's Erie, Alabama. It's fascinating. It's a quick read, but it ha- it is full of information about 
just weird things that has happened in Alabama in our state. And I think this is a great topic leading up to Halloween. So thank you for being on the show. I appreciate I know you're very busy this time of year, I assume. Yeah, yeah, this, this is my busiest time. And let me add that uh, Halloween is special to me, too, because my daughter was born on Halloween. No way. Yeah, so so she has she's always had wonderful birthday parties. I bet. And, and very probably original, and I mean, it's just another reason to celebrate Halloween for in yeah, your house. Yeah, yeah that's I, I, just too cool. I've known several people. I had an aunt that was born on Halloween, and it's really ironic, you know. Um, it's just another day, I know, but it's still kind of neat. And they do get a special birthday, you know. Um, th they finally started making special birthday cards for people who have Halloween birthdays, you know, after yeah. years of not being able to find any. Hey, will you give us a little more information about yourself? Tell us about your credentials. Even though I mentioned you are an English professor, give us your credentials and why you're interested in this topic. All right. Uh, I... I have a PhD in uh, rhetoric, uh, which uh, originally dealt with speaking, the art of speaking, and now it, it pertains to writing. Uh, just recently, I became a professor of English and folklore, although I've been doing folklore as a hobby at the university for over 30 years. Uh, I give uh, ghost walks at my university and in town, and I also have uh, edited books on oral ghost tales uh, from Sumter County. There was a lady in the 1930s named Ruby Pickens Tart uh, who uh, collected folklore from uh, most of these informants were elderly African American people, and a lot of them were ghost stories. And so I edited a, a, a book of her unpublished manuscripts in 2003. And uh, after I wrote the book, I decided, I, well, you know, I think I could do this. And so I started. And I've been doing it ever since. And How many books have you written? Over 30. Um, in fact, I just wrote one on uh, Louisiana Legends of Lord. Uh, in oh. The during the pandemic, I had a lot of wow. time. <laughs> I was bored. <laughs> wow. When uh, when will that come out? Uh, February of 2021. I mean, you literally, in researching your works, um, you know, you've got Haunted Pensacola. You've got Haunted Southwest, I think was one. I mean, yeah. all over the United States. Have yeah. you traveled all over the United States to research all of these um, sightings, I guess you would call them? Mostly the South. Mostly the South. I have actually done some ghost hunting all over the world. Well, England and Ireland and Scotland. Hmm. Uh, they go there. Um I did the book on the Southwest because the Arcadia Press wanted to wanted to to sell it at a specific chain of bookstores, which had since gone out of business, and so they used it anyway. Now I will admit I've never been in the Southwest except for Texas. I've never yeah, been in the Southwest. That counts. That counts. It does count. Yeah, I, I think it counts. Books. I've read two books about Texas ghosts. One well, of which, one of which they sell at the Alamo, and I'm very proud of that. Oh, what's it called? It's Haunted called Alamo. 
Haunted Texas. Oh my gosh. She's got the Alamo on the cover, and it's my best selling book. Thanks to the Alamo. <laughs> yeah, so many tourists. It's ironic that you mentioned you've done some um, research in England because yeah. one of the articles I read today which we'll get to in a little while is um, was why your brain wants to believe in ghosts and the supernatural. And, and one of the things it mentions in there, ironically, is more than four out of 10 Americans believe that ghosts or demons exist. But such beliefs are equally popular in Britain where people are more likely to believe in ghosts than in God. Really? That's what this article said. And this article is a recent one, October 15th, 2020. Yes. Yeah. So well, that's interesting. It, I did. I have read that people who are religious are more likely to believe in ghosts because both of both belief systems involve a belief in a life after death. Yeah. Well, that would make sense, wouldn't it? Yeah. That would make and, sense. Would you consider? I, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, and I will say that. Um, uh, I, I take issue with people who believe that uh, anyone who believes in ghosts is not a Christian or does not believe in God because you know, it's pretty easy to counter that argument. Well, what about the Holy Ghost and the Holy yeah. Spirit and that sort of thing? I see the two as being very closely related, and and uh, I don't think you are being unchristian if you have had a ghostly experience or believe that you have. Well, and I'll be honest with you, there's several people who just since I have told them I was going to do this show have talked about, like I mentioned in the intro, have talked about um, either themselves feeling like they've seen a ghost or they know somebody who's seen a ghost. So it is very, I think it's pretty common. Um, well, I, I credit the popularity of television shows like Ghost Hunters, which, uh, which, started up in 2005 and now we have a proliferation of them all over uh, television especially the uh, travel channel and and I think the stigma attached to having had a ghostly experience has pretty much been removed yeah. and people are, are not as reluctant to tell you ghost stories as they used to be would you consider yourself a paranormal expert Is the, or, or do you look at yourself more as a folklore um, writer Okay, I am more of a folklore writer. Okay. I'm not sure that there really are experts in the paranormal. Uh, there are, you know, there are parapsychologists. I guess that's as close to, as you can get in this field to being a true expert if you're looking at academic credentials um, as a qualifier. But uh, um, no, I, I am someone who enjoys the stories. And I do ghost hunting on the side. It's fun. And uh, uh, I haven't had as many experiences as some people have, have had. I've had a couple. But, uh, uh, but I'm more interested in the way these stories originate and the way they evolve over the years. That, to me, that's fascinating. I am fascinating, from, yes. I am from Illinois, and, and, and Midwesterners have this, our, our typecast is being cold, which means they don't talk as much. Oh my gosh, yeah. I think there's some truth to that. Southerners will talk your arm off. Isn't that the truth like I'm doing right now? My father-in-law my father-in-law was from Joliet, Illinois. Oh yeah. He, he moved Chicago basically. He yeah. moved 
he never really lost his accent. He would get so aggravated with me when I would call him a Yankee, you know, and, you know, just tease him. He lived, he moved down here when he was probably a, a small child, maybe 10 years old. But yeah. he, um, you know, he, he never was cold. He was, a, he talked and, you know, I don't, I don't understand that stereotype basically, but, but I get what you're saying. Yeah. Right, right. And I don't know, but it's, it holds true. But I will say, um, first time I, I drove down here by myself, I went to a, a gas station, asked directions to Livingston, Alabama, and about five minutes later, he finally got. <laughs> he was asking me about my accent. I can, I can relate. Hey, let me ask you: When you've gone ghost hunting before, have you ever been really afraid? Yes. One. Can you, can you tell us about it? Would you share it with us? Yes, it was in Louisville, Kentucky, at the Waverly Hills to Boston Tuberculosis. Oh, my gosh, I've been there. I waited three hours to get in there. It is oh, the really? best haunted house ever, and it's the scariest. Yes, and I will say one thing about those people who own it. All the proceeds from the tickets go toward uh, renovating and preserving the building. Which well, is it, it is terrifying. The way you drive up to it, you know it how is. you drive up to it, and when yeah. you park and walk around, and I've never waited that long, you know, for a haunted house, ever. Well, yeah, yeah. But, it, most most experts, ex experts in the paranormal list it in the top ten in the United States. Wow. Um, I would put it up there with the Myrtles in St. Francis Hill. Uh, Louisiana. Never uh, been there. So what happened at Waverly? Well, I was a guest. This was 2003. I was a guest speaker for the Mid-Cell Mid Paranormal Conference that was put on by the Louisville Ghost Hunting Association. And uh, um, we had we had a, a barbecue out there under under the pavilion. And then the ghost, ghost hunting team broke up the crowd into little groups and started taking them around. The, uh, around the building and then the head of the Louisville Ghost Hunters came up to me uh, his name is Keith Age and I was talking to um, Troy Taylor he's the president of the American Ghost uh, Ghost Society and uh, Dave Goodwin who writes about military ghosts and he said um, he said come with me we're, we're going to go to the other end of the building mm. so we did and we walked up the stairs to the third, third floor landing and um, Keith walked over to this heavy iron door, started to open it up, and it opened the slam shut really fast with a loud slam. Well, Troy was in front of me. He jumped backwards, almost knocked me into Dave, who was behind me, and I was not happy. And I was sure that one of his buddies was messing around. So I ran upstairs, grabbed the handle of the door, and with a great deal of effort, I got it open. It was heavy. Mm. And I looked up and down the hallway, and I didn't see anything. I looked down on the floor, and I saw a single wet footprint. Oh, my gosh. About the size of a woman's foot. And that's when, that's when the goosebumps rose up on my arms. And I will say that, that that's, from my way of looking at it, that's the most convincing evidence, the physical evidence. The physical, the footprint. Physical evidence. Right. And that's where it was. And, and he told me later on that... Uh, um, they had found other footprints, mm -hmm. barefoot, mm -hmm. barefoot footprints. Wow! And, and that's and that's I know, chilling. 
Oh, it's chilling. People it's have chilling. all kinds of experiences there. I think that that's, I, I am convinced there's something paranormal, something outside of the paranormal going on there. Yeah. And, and you know, we talk about Waverly. It's a sanatorium is the, is the title of it. Plenty. I know you know better than I do, but plenty. And I've even heard some stories myself from our own Bryce Hospital especially the, the, the big white building that they're renovating right now. Um, so look, we're gonna take a break for just a few minutes and come back. And I also have an email um, question for you from a, from a listener who okay. um, sent me an email. So let's take a quick break and we'll come right back, okay? You're, right. Listening, you're listening to Brain Matters on 90.7 The Capstone. WVUAFM, Tuscaloosa. This show is not a substitute for professional counseling and no relationship is created between the show hosts or guests and any listener. If you feel you are in need of professional mental health and are a UA student, we encourage you to contact the UA Counseling Center at 348-3863. If you are not a UA student, please contact your respective county's crisis service hotline or their local mental health agency or insurance company. If it is an emergency situation, please call 911 or go to your nearest emergency room. You're listening to Brain Matters on 90.7 The Capstone. I'm BJ Gunther, and tonight our show is about um, the benefits of ghosts. Are they beneficial? Is it beneficial to your mental health? And we're talking with Dr. Alan Brown, who is a professor of English at the University of West Alabama, just down the road in Livingston. And we left off talking about some of the a very frightening incident that happened to him back in, uh, was it two, what year was it? 2003. That's what I thought you said. And, and I want you to tell us a little bit about any stories that you've heard about Bryce hospital, because I know when I was in college and Bryce was still up and running, people would go over there. They would jump the fence and I don't know what they do over there, but they would do stuff over there. And I've heard reports of seeing something. Well, that's Bryce Hospital is a good example of legend tripping, where yeah. where people and these are mostly teenagers or college kids who go out there to have a ghostly experience, and there have been reports of people being kicked, being punched in the stomach, of uh, hearing voices over the intercoms, which of course aren't hooked up anymore, or hearing telephones ringing. Uh, there supposedly was a little boy who was uh, underwent shock treatment and died and they see his ghost mm. walking around there mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, yeah I, of course that's a good example of a place that looks haunted it does it looks it and that has to feed on the imagination yeah yeah really does. it's creepy i mean we used to have a um a tour well actually i think it just happened one year a couple of years ago, of course, I took it, and um, it go it went around to all. It started at the Drish House, and I want you to talk about that in just a minute. The Drish House. It took us on over to the um, the cemetery downtown. I can't remember the name of it. Do you remember the name of the cemetery, Catherine downtown? 
I've been there, and I don't remember. It's like Greens, old Greensboro. I, I can't remember, but yeah. it's the oldest cemetery or one of them. And, you know, so we went around, and then we ended up on the University of Alabama campus, which there are several buildings here that some have reported seeing ghosts. Yes. Um, one of the things, let, let me ask you about, let me go to one of the email questions, because this kind of plays into maybe something you can talk about. Um, and, and ironically, I was reading an article today that talked about this, but the question is basically wanting to hear more if you've heard any or seen any research about the relationship between psychosis and ghosts. And the article I was reading today is from Pacific Standard, which is a peri peri periodical. And let me just read you the excerpt and see if you've got any comment on this. In 1902, the father of American psychology, William James, published The Varieties of Religious Experience, a study of human nature, where he linked singular religious experiences to psychological disorders in the brain. To him, they were the result of delusional insanity, and this laid the general groundwork that scientists should focus on the brain in order to locate a cause for spiritual occurrences, and so began the long dance with schizophrenia as the yes. possible cause. Yes. Have you ever heard anything like this? Uh, yes. I did. Uh, well, William James was the father of American psychology, and... Yeah. So psychology was pretty much in its infancy at that time, and it has grown since then. And uh, there are other psychological factors at work. Uh, I do not believe, first of all, that insanity has a lot to do with it. I've talked to many, too many people whose opinion I respected who were, were not drunk or crazy. Right, right. They had experiences, and you can't dismiss those. No, and that's one of the questions I, I sent to you before the show is, do most of the people you have spoken to seem credible? And you just oh, answered yeah. that. Oh, yes. Uh, in fact, I can think of one case, a young man I knew, a student of mine who had mental issues and told me about his haunted house. And that's the only one that I pretty much didn't pay much attention to. 99.9% mm -hmm. uh, um, .9 of the people I talked to I think are credible. Yeah, and people are very quick to discredit these people. And a lot of times, I bet you've had a hard time get, sometimes getting people to talk to you because they have been made fun of or like discounted about what they've seen. Well, one of the good things about having published so many books and having been in this field so long is that I have some name recognition. Yeah. And so yes. people send me emails uh, occasionally they call me up and tell me their stories, and uh, that's fine. That's wonderful. And yeah. I've never criticized anyone for having had an experience, and they know I won't do that. I no. don't want people no. for that. Now, I think there could be other psychological factors at play, such as the power of suggestion. Um, a study was done, actually a number of studies have, done, have been done, involving uh, two groups of people, uh, like such as at a haunted theater. One group is told that the theater's haunted, the other one doesn't know it, and the group who had that seed planted in their head are the ones who have the paranormal experiences. Uh -huh. But another study was done at Hampton Court, 
and England, which uh-huh. is supposed to be very haunted, same study, and nobody had any paranormal experiences. And the conclusion was that um, it depends on the strengths of one's beliefs. Yes. That if you believe in the supernatural, you probably are more likely to have ha- have a a an experience than someone who not. Now, uh, my wife is a retired math teacher. Very logical. Uh, very, very logical minded person. Yeah, yeah. She's my, she's my ghost magnet. I take her with me to all these haunted bedrooms <laughs> and she has experiences. And Ooh. she started out as an unbeliever. Yeah. So no, I've heard of this. Yeah. I yeah. have heard of this, yes. Yes. I'll give you an example. Fairly recently, a year ago, we went to the Crescent Hotel in Eureka Springs, Arkansas, one of the most haunted hotels in the United States, former uh, uh, former cancer hospital run by a charlatan. Oh, just stop. <laughs> oh, Lord. Go ahead. Well, well we, we stayed in a haunted room on the third floor, and nothing happened. And I, we, I, I pulled every trick out of my hat to stir up some kind of ghost, got nothing. And so we were leaving. It was a Saturday, and I, she was sitting in the room looking at her phone. And um, so I took the took suitcases out of the car, came back, and Marilyn's face was white. Oh, I, no. I said, what happened? And she said, she pointed to the coffee table. There was one Yeti glass on the coffee table. Mine was about six feet away. She said something threw my late Yeti glass off the floor. Goodbye. Checking out. Now, Marilyn's Marilyn's view is that um, Norman Baker, who is the charlatan who ran the place, um, was not well liked by the patients. He took advantage of them, and he thinks that this woman, who was supposed to have honored the room, hated men, and probably had an affinity toward my wife because she's a cancer survivor. There you go. Yes. And so... uh, and, but she, I've never seen her look like that before, and I'm convinced that that happened. There's more physical evidence. How do you, how do you just dismiss that? I don't know. I don't know. Have you, I guess you said you've never been to the Southwest, so I guess you've never been to the Overlook Hotel, right, where The Shining was inspi- inspired to write Stephen King stayed there, room 217. We had reservations this summer. We were going until the pandemic hit. My daughter's been there. My daughter and husband have been there. Uh, Took the ghost tour in that they have in the hotel. Uh, But yeah, have you been there? No, I would love to go there. I came very close back in November before all this started. We were in Colorado. We went to Steamboat instead of there. It's in Estes Park, right? Yes, yes. I hope you make it one day. I will. You know, this is legend tripping. And legend tripping it is, is, something, it is something that older adults can do because unless you're going to go to a, a, a haunted bridge or something out in the boondocks, you're probably going to be safe. That would probably, be me, yeah. You know, and like that Crescent Hotel, same way. Not, none of our lives were in danger when we took the tour through the morgue and have all those other spooky parts of the, of the hotel. No, 
but it's it's fun. It's like Disney World for adults. It is. It is. For, for, you know, I know I'm weird. I, kn- I know I am. I mean, I know when I start talking about this stuff to other people, they just give me a look. But I can't help it. I'm fascinated, and it's good to know there are other people who think like I do that are just as fascinated and curious as I if am. You're ju- if you're judging weirdness by the percentage of people who believe in this stuff, then you're not weird. No, I fit in oh. just fine. You know, you mentioned the power of suggestion. Yeah. And the one, the same article I mentioned a minute ago from Pacific Standard, it had a little piece about this um, and basically, they said, if you, here's what they said, if you see a tree, you don't know it's a tree until someone teaches you to associate the four-letter word with the woody, you know, thing sticking out of the ground. Right. Same thing with a ghost. You, you know, some people believe that if, an, if they feel an invisible presence around them, they don't automatically associate it with the spirit of a dead person until they're taught to do so. Yes. Yeah. Yes, the, I, it's the human mind's tendency to want to instill order in chaos. And one way to do, one way to explain the unexplainable is, well, maybe there's something supernatural going on here. And I think it helps people deal with with unexplained phenomenon, unusual phenomenon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily a bad thing. No, and that and that comes to the title of the show. Is it beneficial? Are ghosts beneficial to your mental health? And and I base the title of the show on another article that I read that's called basically ghosts and spirits can be beneficial to your mental health. And what they talk about is really in the process of grief, you know, and, and some of it talks about there there are some scientists who believe that seeing ghosts or spirits has to do with um, sleeping problems or sleep deprivation. I bet you've heard that too. Yes, uh, most of the ghost sightings that people have occurred during what's what's uh, called twilight sleep. And it's very early in the morning, maybe four, three or four o'clock in the morning. You're half awake and you're half asleep. And then that's when people see things. Now, when you're talking about grief, the Largest number of ghostly sightings or ghostly encounters occurs after a loved one or a friend has passed on. And then the next day or a few days later or a month later, something happens which is interpreted as the dear departed way of letting their loved ones know that everything's okay. Yeah, I've heard that. And people who have those experiences feel good about it and they treasure them. And I know people who've had them. Now, psychologists will dismiss them by saying that, well, this is wishful thinking, that they want to believe that the radio turning on by itself was Uncle Bob's way of telling you, hey, I'm here and I'm fine. Don't worry about me anymore. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, And who's to say that's not true? Yeah. 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 What about um, another email question that we've got? is interesting um this person says i once worked with an air force forensic psychiatrist who stated that if someone from the south saw a dead family member it wouldn't necessarily be a hallucination due to the belief that being a part of an individual's culture 
so what are your thoughts about how some cultures see um, ghosts and spirits? Well, um, the one supernatural belief that can be found all over the world and cultural groups all over the world is a belief in ghosts. That's number one. And uh, oh, different cultures have different attitudes toward ghosts. And I, I think that uh, it's when you get to Western culture, I think we tend to see them in a more negative light, maybe, than other cultures do. Um, maybe you know, because of the movies, maybe films. That's part of it, but, yeah. but even before, before the advent of movies, uh, people were getting scared by ghost stories and, and that sort of thing. And I think it's, uh, uh, I, well, if you look at like Native American uh, beliefs, ghosts aren't necessarily bad with them. Or other other cultures, it's it's the it's the past making its present presence known in the present, and that's not really a bad thing. Have you spoken to any Native Americans who have told you about seeing ghosts? I did. I have spoken to one, and this was about. It wasn't exactly ghosts. It was about the. The Choctaw belief in little people who are supposed to be actual small creatures that are kind of mischievous and well hydrocarkies and that sort of thing. So it wasn't it wasn't really it was related to the supernatural but not to ghosts yeah, per se. Not not ghosts per se, yeah. This man this young man who was a college student told me that his grandmother believed in this. And he did not mock her, and he did not, when he told me the story, he did not act as if she was uh, demented in any way. Right. Or, or believing, he respected it. Let's take a quick break, and we'll come right back, okay? You're, right. Listening, you're listening to Brain Matters on 90.7, The Capstone. WVUAFM, Tuscaloosa. This show is not a substitute for professional counseling and no relationship is created between the show hosts or guests and any listener. If you feel you are in need of professional mental health and are a UA student, we encourage you to contact the UA Counseling Center at 348-3863. If you are not a UA student, please contact your respective county's crisis service hotline or their local mental health agency or insurance company. If it is an emergency situation, please call 911 or go to your nearest emergency room. to Brain Matters on 90.7 The Capstone. This is B.J. Gunther. We're talking tonight with Dr. Alan Brown, who is a professor at the University of West Alabama. Our show tonight is about the benefits of um, seeing a ghost, basically, uh, if, if it does benefit your mental health. And we all three agree that it probably does, based on some of the research and some of Dr. Brown's research. And, and I think you've covered this, but is you have actually talked to people who have seen ghosts. It's not just going and visiting sites. Yes, yes. Uh, and the appearance of, of full-bodied apparitions, that's a holy grail for ghost hunters. And, and I, I think that if you, if you go out looking for ghosts and expecting to see them, 
probably will. Uh, this is this is a problem I have with a lot of these um, television shows. Yes. Uh, hunting shows. They, they never always, show anything. No, no, they don't. And uh, I, I will say that ghosts ghosts tend to manifest themselves more through sound than through sight. Um, and so when someone tells me that they've seen a ghost, I'm, I'm, I'm initially skeptical because that doesn't happen very often. Um, it has happened. Yes. And I'll tell you another thing that you probably, I don't know if you've ever interviewed children. I yeah. had one, I will tell you, I've had one little girl, nine years old, and you want to talk about chill bumps. When a yeah. child tells you something, basically this little girl told me about a relative that she had, who she had never met, never seen, and said he, he was at the foot of her bed, and her mother came in the session and told me that the relative had died like two or three days prior. And yeah. I just didn't know what to say. You know, yeah. I, I was like you. I'm not going to argue with somebody, but a child, that's weird. That is unusual. Yes. They say, psychologists say, that children are more susceptible to paranormal encounters than adults. That when, by the time we're adults, we have pretty much conditioned ourselves to not believing in ghosts, where children, their minds are still open. And animals, the same way. Animals, dogs. yes. Especially dogs. Especially, that really, that I think freaks me out more than anything, when a dog all of a sudden will... Will react and look down at a certain a part of the floor or maybe start whining that that's creepy that's that creepy you creepy. know why do you think there are so many ghost hunters now i think it's because of the way they perceive themselves and and that, well it has a lot to do with uh, the television shows for yeah it looks yeah. like fun well if you've ever been ghost hunting it's not fun because those shows are heavily edited and they cut out all the boring parts where you're sitting and waiting and waiting and waiting. It's sort of like fishing. You're kind of like fishing. Yes. Yes. Very much. You know, I don't know if you come to Tuscaloosa much, but oh. anybody who's listening and over in the Northport area, I'm a North portion. Um, and near my house, there is a car. It's like a minivan or like a little SUV. And it's painted up with Ghostbuster stuff. And some of you that are who are listening might not remember Ghostbusters because it's an old movie. But they claim to be ghost hunters. Yeah, yeah. There's a, uh, they're remaking the movie, so we'll probably see more. Oh, of my goodness. But uh, I think a lot of ghost hunters, first of all, see themselves as uh, kind of like traffic policemen that – it's their job to guide a spirit to the light. Oh, yeah. So they can they can be happy in the afterlife. I think they're all they also see themselves as um, public servants whose job it is to <laughs> cleanse a house or to help people deal with their spirits. Yeah. And I did that once. I did it once. My back back my daughter and I went to a, a home of a, a couple who were belonged to my church and their little girl was having having visions in her room, her bedroom. And the first thing we did was take my EMF detector, electromagnetic field detector. Yes. And I scanned the room and 
I started with a wall where she saw faces at night and the needle spiked from zero to about about 7.8. And I scanned the rest of the room, nothing. Yes. And I, I concluded that there was wiring in that wall which emitted electromagnetic electromagnetism and they say that that can cause hallucinations. Wow. And that was the case there and I told wow. the parents, uh, just, just change your bed. Move her bed to a different part of the room and uh, the sightings will stop and they did. And it worked. It worked. Tell it worked. us, that, that is, that's amazing. That just is like common sense too, you know? Well, my, the library at UWA, University of West Alabama, has a, is probably the most haunted building on campus. Now, I did the same thing there. I went to the uh, behind the circulation desk where a lot of sightings occur, and oh, that the, the meter spiked up to like like twelve point eight immediately. And I to, I told the physical plant, you need to put a shield on those cables back there. Yes, that might be causing some of the people who work here to have visions and hallucinations. Hey, what's the most haunted ha haunted building on this campus, University of Alabama? Oh, um, I don't know. I think probably Smith Hall. Really? I would have thought Gorgas or the Jasons, the little Jasons building. Yes, well. Because yeah, I know that story. What about Smith Hall? Why do you say it's the most haunted? Because so many things have happened there, so many students. And professors have had experiences, usually at night. Uh, for example, and, and a lot of the activities started up after they, they renovated the museum, Dr. Smith's museum. Yeah, I bet. And they say that when you make structural changes in a building, it stirs up the spirits. Yes. They, and, and so you look at like 2000 on, you get, you get reports of things like, well, Dr. Smith's carriage. Uh, people, janitors have heard the clattering of the wooden wheels of his carriage, a clip-clop of the hooves of the horses. Uh, some students who were studying there late at night uh, heard a tremendous noise come from the second floor, and they went up there, and all the desks were, were thrown all over the place. And they had no happened. Well, they did some research and found out that uh, in early 1900s, there's a boiler explosion, and uh, some students were killed. Wow. So that, we call that a residual haunting, where it's kind of like a film loop that replays itself once the yes. energy activate, activates it. And, yes. And that might be what happened there. A student, a young man was down in the laboratory working, and he went into the closet, the uh, Cause where the chemicals were kept and the door slammed shut. He had been all by himself. He was there all night. He said he would never do that again. Uh uh, no, I'm not yeah. going in there now. Mm -mm. Yeah. Oh, Smith Hall is a very spooky place. Yeah, it is. Um, you know, the Gorgas house is spooky too. Um, well, there's a lot of spooky. This is an old campus. Gorgas you know, Library. So. Gorgas like Amelia, Amelia Gorgas. Yeah supposed to haunt it and uh she's more of a, a nice ghost she's going to <laughs> well a lot of librarians are so dedicated they just hang on even after 
after they're dead. Even after they're gone. Do you um? What are you What are you working on now? Are you working on it? You're working on the book that you've been working on during the pandemic. What's it called again? Well, that one is Louisiana Legends and Lore, but that one's done. I'm working on another one on uh, the Haunted South Two. I did the Haunted South One. You did. One, you did. And that one is only sold at Books a Million. But they wanted a sequel to it because I guess it sold pretty well. So I'm almost done with it now. I'll be I'll finish it in January. Do you actually do you do a lot of your research via the internet, or how much do you actually go out and meet with people? I I meet with people as much as I can, which yeah. is why I I love to travel, and I love to visit these places. And a lot of that's why a lot of places in my books are bed and breakfast or restaurants. Because you can actually go there and talk to people. Yes, definitely. And uh, um, forts, no. Uh, a lot of the uh, um, park rangers are historians, and they they won't tell you ghost stories. They'll know them. Yeah, they know them. Just like they won't tell you when they see like mountain lions and bears either. No, no, they won't they tell you that kind of stuff either because no, they don't they want don't. to scare people, tourists they, away. They do not, and I understand that. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, but there are a lot of bed and breakfasts at Exploiter Girls. I'll say no. Well, yeah, some people are turned off by it. A lot of people aren't. Yeah. And they promote them. Do you, have you had much, um, ha, and this is last question, but I, I could go on and on and on, I know. Have you, have you gone to Savannah, Georgia? Is oh, that, yeah. that is a very oh, ghostly oh. town, isn't it? New oh, Orleans, too. Well, they promote their ghosts. Yeah, they do. They do. And, um, yeah, I, I love Savannah. And, and I will say that of all the haunted seven cities, Savannah's number one on my list, probably. Ooh. It's so charming, and and it's clean. Now, yes. I like New Orleans, too, but there's the sleaze factor, I think. Yes. It's <laughs> yes. for me, but, oh, man, I've, I've, got, I've, I've written about it a lot. Oh. I've written about it in my, the book I'm working on now. I've got yeah, New Orleans yeah. the Louisiana lore, yeah. Charleston. Charleston's good. Good, and they they... They promote their ghosts too. Yeah. And there are a lot of lot of good antebellum homes to visit there. A lot of haunted places. This Those is totally. Good. This is just totally fascinating. I understand. You know the podcasts I listened to. I'm going to give them a shout out. Mysterious Radio was the podcast, and it yeah. sounded like you had been on that um, podcast several times. And yeah. I can understand why, because yeah. with your experience, um, it's just very fascinating. You have a lot of different experiences doing what you do. Unique. Well, there aren't very many academics no. or in this field. No. And I'll say one thing about my university, until the pandemic struck, they actually uh, financed some of my trips, my ghost story collection. Trips. That is remarkable. And they, uh, at least I would say for my first first twenty books, they did. Yeah, that <laughs> gives you your that gives you your niche. Yes, it did. It does. It does. Yeah. And this is, you used the right word, this is a niche. Yes, yes. It's a niche, but it's a growing niche. It is. And I, thank you again for being on the show. I'm going to close now and make my last um, announcements. But wow, this is, I've learned a lot in this short time, even from the research that I had to do up to the show. You know, it's not just about ghost hunting. 
You know, there's a lot more to it than that. And your books, it's the folklore is an actual genre that people would benefit from learning more about, especially in your own culture, wherever that is. Yeah, it, it, it's even got a name now, ghost lore. Wow, no, I haven't come across that yet. Ghost lore, and I guess that's my niche now. That's your niche. Thanks that's so fine. much for being on the show and spending time with us. It's a busy time of year for you, I know. That's fine. I, I, love, I love talking to people like you who are as enthusiastic as I am about it. Oh, yes, I am. Hey, don't forget, our shows are recorded and they're podcasted on voices.ua.edu. You can just type in Brain Matters and you'll find some of our past shows. There also, uh, there's also a link on the Counseling Center website at counseling.ua.edu. Um, I want to mention we've got some upcoming events coming up. I think we've got Stress-Free Days is coming up. I think it's going to be on November the 18th. It's going to look a whole lot different um, this year because it's not – I don't think it's going to be in person. I think most of it's going to be via Zoom like everything else. So I'll, I'll make some more announcements leading up to that, that time um, to prepare students to go into their finals week and also to prepare, prepare most of them to go home at that time. As always, I want to thank a few people who have made the show possible. Dr. Greg Vanderwall, he's the Executive Director of the Counseling Center. Terry Seegers from the Office of Student Media, my production assistant, and my co-host is Katherine Howell. My colleagues at the Counseling Center and the WBUA staff who edit this show. Thank you so much. And my guest tonight, Dr. Alan Brown. Join us next week when the topic of the show will be helping others help yourself. Um, thanks again for listening. We'll see you next week. This has been Brain Matters. Good night. This show is not intended as a substitute for professional counseling. Further, the views, opinions, and conclusions expressed by the show hosts or their guests are their own and not necessarily those of the University of Alabama, its officers, or trustees. Any views, opinions, or conclusions shared on the show do not create a relationship between the host or any guest and any listener, and such a relationship should never be inferred. If you feel you are in need of professional mental health and are a UA student, please contact the UA Counseling Center at 348-3863. If you are not a UA student, please contact Contact your respective county's crisis service hotline or their local mental health agency or insurance company. If it is an emergency situation, please call 911 or go to your nearest emergency room.